0: there's a story uh, about an old couple and they arrive at heaven same time. They get an amazing mansion. Thing has got a waterfall in the bathrooms, got a golf course in the backyard. They go over to the clubhouse, lavish buffet, you know, steaks, seafood, exotic size and desserts. And the angel says, here's the best part of it. You can eat anything you want. You can eat all you want. No calories. Well, Good deals. The guy goes, but how about exercise? I mean, is there a gym where we need to go and we, we can get some exercise? He goes, no, not unless you really want to. This, this is heaven. And with that, the old guy got really angry. Why did he get angry? Do you know how this story ends? Do you want to know? Too bad because I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Does that bug you? Because it would bug me. There's something in me that wants to, that wants resolution. There's something in me that wants to know how things end. We've been teaching through the biblical book of Daniel for quite some time now, and it's been a kind of complicated, confusing journey. How does this thing end? Well, it doesn't end with Daniel in the lion's den, and it doesn't end with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are the popular stories in this book, but that's not how it ends. Daniel chapter 12 begins with this, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. At that time. Well, what time? Most scholars believe this is about the end times when the world as we know it comes to a close. Well, what's going to happen? What's that going to be like? The verse continues. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Nobody's going to use that verse as a campaign slogan. That's depressing. And that's kind of the opposite of what we tend to think. We tend to think things like, we are going to fix this world. We're going to change everything. We're going to make it a better place. We're so smart. We're so advanced. We're so civilized. We are progressing. We can solve all the problems. Daniel says, no, no, you can't. We cannot and we will not. History is not a forward linear progression. In the end times, there will be unprecedented trouble and distress. That's what the Bible tells us. Verse 5, "...then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank." Two angels, they appear, and Daniel, he overhears them talking to a man clothed in linen. Now recall from chapter 11, this guy clothed in linen. Well, that's Jesus. Jesus didn't begin at Christmas in Bethlehem. Jesus is the eternal God. He's been around from the very beginning. Verse 6, one of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? They're saying, when's all this stuff going to happen? When will the end come? Good question. Would you like to know that? I'd kind of like to know that. Hear Jesus' answer when they ask, when's the end time going to come? Jesus said this, verse 7. The man, clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time. A time, times, and half a time. What's that mean? I mean, that sounds kind of like the answer my wife gives when I ask, How much longer till you're going to be ready? <laughs> just a minute. She could just as well say, Time, times, and half a time. I don't understand that. Well, neither did Daniel. And so here's what he does. Verse 8, he he said, I heard, but I did not understand. We're with you, brother. He he didn't try and hide his confusion. Rather, he said, God, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying. Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked God, my Lord, what will be the outcome of, What will the outcome of all of this be? He's saying, God, I don't get that. I need a few more concrete details. Here's God's response. Verse 9. He replied, Go on your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Daniel shows up. He says, God, when's it going to happen? When's the end going to come? And God says to him, Daniel, here's my answer. Go on your way. He said, Daniel, don't get caught up in all of that. Daniel, there is going to be an end to this world as we know it. That day, it is set on God's calendar. But he says, it's rolled up. It's sealed. He didn't tell Daniel, and he's not going to tell us when. Be careful uh, about this one. Because a lot of people spend a lot of energy and time trying to figure this one out, like this. Here's an end times calendar. This guy's got it all mapped out. He's got the events, he's got the dates, he's got the times, but there's a problem with this. Look at the dates. 2016, 2017, 2018. He was wrong. It's wrong. God, you know, said to Daniel, Hey, there's gonna be an end to this world. Daniel, his first question is the question we a lot of times that have with that. Well, when? When, God? When is this gonna happen? When's the end time gonna come? And God's response to that question was right here, verse nine. God replied, Go on your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. He said, Daniel, he says, Church, I'm not gonna tell you. Not going to give you the answer to that question. But I will tell you this. Verse 13. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest. Now that word there, rest, that's a little bit misleading. Rest for Daniel and says, hey, Daniel, rest is coming for you. He's not talking about something like this. He's not talking about spring break. God's talking to Daniel. The rest He's talking about is more along the lines of this graveyard. What God is saying here in this verse, He's saying, Daniel, you, you're not going to make it that long. Daniel, you are going to die. You know, and Daniel isn't alone. Last time I checked, the mortality rate, it was hovering right around 100 Death is not a desirable thing, but it's not an anomaly. It's not an unusual thing. We all will go there. Young people and old people. Rich people and poor people. Wise people and foolish people. Good people and bad people. You and I, we are not the exception. Now, I figure I got... 25, maybe 30 years, depending on what I do with French fries. Somewhere. Death is not this great injustice. Death, it's a fact. And accepting that isn't morbid. Accepting that is actually wise because it prompts us to ask questions like this one. Well, what's next? If there's an end to this, what comes next? And the answer to that question depends on who you ask. Because there are some options. Some say, well, after this, you you meld with the great spirit of the sky. Some say, well, no, what happens is you become a different person. Or if you've been naughty, you become a different species. Some say, no, there's actually nothing that comes next. We're one and done. Jesus, he weighed in on this. He didn't agree with any of those options. Jesus taught something different. Jesus taught this. Revelation 1, verse 17. Jesus said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. The story of Jesus doesn't end on the cross. The story of Jesus doesn't end at the tomb. We believe in the third day. We believe in resurrection. We believe that Jesus is very much alive and promises this. John 14, 19. Because I live, you also will live. Because of Jesus, death doesn't win. Because of Jesus, death is not the end. Just one little hiccup with that. Daniel 12, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life. Read the rest of this with me. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Uh Uh-oh. It's like the lady who was reading her Bible in the coffee shop Guy notices and says, do you believe that? Do you really believe everything that's in that book? And she says, yeah, I do. He said, okay, well, what about Moses? You know, parting the Red Sea, come on, that's not possible. How did Moses do that? She replied, I don't know, but when I get to heaven, I'll I'll ask Moses. He said, well, what if Moses isn't in heaven? And she replied, well, then you can ask him. Yeah, we like Daniel and the lion's den and we like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego but chapter 12, not so much verse 2 multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life others to shame and everlasting contempt like it or not I'm not making this up Right? It's right here in our Bibles. And it's not just in Daniel. Twelve of the twenty times that hell is is mentioned in the New Testament, twelve out of twenty times, guess who mentions it? It's Jesus. Jesus talks more about hell than anybody else in all of the Bible. I'll give you a few examples of that. Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus said that. And he said this, Matthew twenty-five, forty-one. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are Jesus' words. And this, Mark 9, 43. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. This is Jesus. Jesus talked about hell as being a real, eternal place. If we really are going to take Jesus seriously, then we can't get around this fact. I can understand people who, who don't like the idea and the concept of hell. And guess what? I don't either. But just because something is unpleasant... That doesn't make it untrue. Right? Just because something is unpleasant, that doesn't make it untrue. Well, hell's in the Bible. Jesus brings it up. So let's ask this question. Well, why? What's it going to be like? going to be a place of pain? Is it going to be a place of agony? Is it going to be a torture chamber? Well, Here's the phrase that I think captures the biblical teaching about hell as much as any. It's this phrase, God is not there. That's the center of the biblical teaching of hell. God's not there. And think about that a little bit. What if God wasn't here on earth? Do you think that people can be cruel now? Imagine it. Without him, without the influence of God, if you think that there's loneliness and depression now, imagine a reality without Jesus, no forgiveness, no hope, no acts of kindness, no love. If God, if he were to remove his presence and his protection and his grace and his love and all of his followers from this planet, what would the world be like in a word? Hell. Hell. Well, maybe, you know, you're thinking, how could He? How could He? How, How could God do that? How could God do something like that? I get it. It's in the Bible. But how could He do that? Here's how. He could do that because He's good. He can do that because He loves. See, God He doesn't force anyone to submit to His Lordship against their will. He doesn't doesn't force anyone to submit to His Lordship against their will. So hell, for those who refuse His offer to live under His gracious reign, hell is where you get to do that forever. It's God saying, okay, if you don't want Me in your life, You can be free from me forever. Hell, no one has to go there. There is another way. God provides another option. Did you hear it? Verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. That's the good part. We call that heaven. Say, well, what's that gonna be like? Check this out. Revelation 21 tells us this verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Well, don't worry, that doesn't mean no beaches. Here's what was going on the guy who received this, follower of Jesus by the name of John, he was a prisoner on an island. What was it that held him captive? The sea. He says there's not going to be a sea anymore. He's saying there's going to be a freedom from that. The biblical picture of heaven is a picture of the world set right. No more colds, no more illnesses, no more cancers, no more poverty, no more racism, no more injustice, no more hungry children, no more unjust invasions, no more domestic abuse, no more lonely hearts. There will be no more second-class citizens. The sick will be healed. The hurting will be comforted. The weary will be renewed. The lonely will be in community. Those whose lives have been broken will be made whole. Those who are depressed, they will be filled with joy. What's going on in your life today? Where, Where does it hurt? Where does it feel unfair? What issues are you facing? Hear God's word to Daniel. Verse 1, he said, There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. He's saying life, it can be hard, it can be painful, but God's reminding us, hang in there. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't lose hope because this... This is not the end. Your present circumstance is not your future reality. Your current situation is not your eternal destination. There will be another day. There will be a new day. There will be a better day. There will be a day when the only tears are tears of joy. There will be a day when the only shouts are shouts of praise. That day, it's coming. Verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. It will be, it will be heaven. Well, heaven. All are invited, but we see in Daniel 12, not all are going to end up there. So here's our question. Well, who gets in? Revelation twenty one twenty-seven. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does not who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That does not say what a lot of people assume it says. I mean, look close. That doesn't say heaven is for everybody who goes to church. It doesn't say that. And that doesn't say, well, heaven is for everybody who lives a moral life. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say heaven is for everybody who owns a Bible or everybody that reads a Bible. It doesn't say that. According to the Bible, who gets in? Well, look at it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nothing impure will ever. Enter it. How do you feel about that? Got any impurities? Any skeletons in your closet? Any issues in your life? Have you obeyed God fully and completely? I have not. Christianity is different from every other religion on this planet. And Christianity, is not even about what a bunch of people think it's about. The common belief is, well, live a good life, amass a nice resume... They'll make God happy and then hand that to him, and then if it's good enough, he'll say, All right, you're in. Welcome to heaven. Well, no. No, that is not what this book teaches. That's not what's in here. Rather, the Bible teaches that Jesus is God who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and he accrued a perfect record. He did that. When we accept him he transfers his perfect record it's his righteousness he transfers that to us we we get Jesus's purity That's what the Bible teaches Read this with me it's put it's really put in a clear way in 2 Corinthians 5:21 Let's read this together God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not only does Jesus forgive us, he restores us. He makes us whole. He makes us clean. He makes us pure. He gives us his purity. So what do we have to do? What's our role? Here's our role. It's really pretty simple. Just be honest. That's really all he asks of us. Is just to be transparent. To say, yeah, I I mess up. Yeah, I've made mistakes. Yeah, sin, that's not just something other people do. Sin, that's here, that's in me. I am not capable of purity. Jesus, I am need you. I need you to purify me. I need you to save me. Jesus, I need you. And there's somebody that's listening right now and you've never done that. So I want us to pause. We're not quite done. We're pretty close. But I want us to pause and, and just take a moment to pray and, and give the opportunity to, to go there. Let's do this together. If you're listening right now and maybe you know this, you, you know about Jesus, but you've never personalized it, and God is inviting you right now, just say to Him, Jesus, I need you. I, I mess up I got sin in my life. Uh, I can't purify myself. I need you. I need you to save me. I accept what you did on the cross for me to be my substitute. I call you my... I accept you as my Savior. I see what you've done and I want to follow you. I want to let you be the leader of my life. And if that's you, just... Say yes to Jesus. You can do that right now. Lord, thank you for this invitation. Thank you for hearing our prayers. You know, I suppose that I should probably tell you how the story ends the story that I started with at the the beginning of this message. You know, the old couple, they get to heaven, same time. They get the grand tour. They they see the mansion and the waterfall and the golf course. They see the food buffet. No fat grams, no calories, no weight gain. All they have to do is just enjoy themselves. But the guy, he's angry. Well, why? You know, why is he angry? Well, here's why. He glared at his wife and he said to her, you and your bran muffins. If it wasn't for those, we could have been here 10 years ago. (laughs) Well, that's the end of that story. Here's the end of the biblical book of Daniel. Very last verse, chapter 12, verse 13. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest. That's not quite all. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. You will rise. You will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. The end. I love the end of the book of Daniel. I don't know if you realize how unusual this is, how rare this is. Resurrection isn't mentioned very often in the Old Testament. Right here, end of the book of Daniel. Daniel, you will rise. Death, that's not going to be the end. Daniel doesn't end with the lion's den and it doesn't end with the fiery furnace and it doesn't end with the handwriting on the wall. Daniel ends with, you will rise. You're going to die, but someday you will rise. You will rise. At the very center of the Christian faith stands this belief, yes, someday we're going to die, but there's going to be resurrection. There's going to be resurrection. We don't need to fear death. It's inevitable, but we don't fear it because we believe this. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Because of Jesus, through his resurrection from the dead, death does not win. Death does not conquer. Death is not the end. Death is not the last word. Not for you. Not for me. Not for Daniel. Not for those we, for those we love. And that, that changes things. Followers of Jesus are supposed to not live in fear of death, but followers of Jesus... We're supposed to live in a recognition of death. Because the things of this world, the hurts and the pains and the challenges and the accomplishments and the stuff and the treasures, short term. Some of the things that seem so important to us today, not that important. And some of the things that don't seem all that important to us today, quite important. Gives us a different perspective. Well, let's close this teaching on the book of Daniel together, reading the words of Jesus together. Join me, John eleven twenty five 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you? Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the director of discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find a scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to to dive into, but then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at The Ridge.